thank you for the privilege to be here this week. What a joy it's been to just fellowship with you and also with the pastor and his family. Uh, sorry my wife couldn't be here, but our son and his wife and our two grandchildren were up from Tennessee, and they went back yesterday. Then my wife had to go to visit her mother tonight. Have your Bibles turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. If I were to entitle this, it would be Friends Bringing a Friend to Christ. Friends Bringing a Friend to Christ. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of a palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto the, for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they laid down the bed wherein the sick of a palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of a palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But thou were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their heart. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. He said unto them, Why reason you these things in your heart? Whether it is easy to say to the sick of a palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But, ye, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin, he saith to the sick of a palsy, And I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. There are several uh, truths I want to point out. Well, all of it is truth. But several I want to point out in this passage of Scripture uh, concerning friends bringing a friend to Christ. The first thing I want us to look at in this passage of Scripture is uh, a great crowd had gathered. A great crowd of people had come together for the reason that they had heard that Jesus was in the house. In other words, it was noise abroad that Jesus Christ was in the house. When Jesus is in the house, the church house, people will know it. People will know when Jesus Christ is in the house, and people will know when he's not. Amen? Uh, they had heard 
that this man talked with much wisdom. They had heard the things that he he uh, would do to help those that needed help, and and the word had gotten out, and 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 the uh, people had packed the place uh, because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say because it was noised abroad. And I'm of this opinion. When Jesus is exalted in the house, people will come. Someone said the best way to have a revival is set the pulpit on fire and people will come and watch it burn. Amen. Uh, 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 The crowd had gathered. And uh, what I've always seen in the life uh, of, of, of people and in the life of the church, when a crowd gathers, most of the time they gather for something. Amen. Uh, they gather for sporting events and all type of events. But when when uh, it's noise and when it's told in the community, a matter of fact, uh, I believe it was Monday night when I come back to revival, someone had told me that uh, it would it had been shared at the country store uh, what I had said about women cooking. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how much theology there was to it, but, you know, at least people were listening. And uh, when Jesus Christ is present, people will know it. Amen. And people will listen and people will will uh, give heed uh, to what the Lord has to say through the, the preaching of the word and through the singing of the word. For, that's the first thing. There was a great crowd had gathered there. And, 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 and when people come together, uh, they come with expectation most of the time. They come with some type of expectation. Now, when I leave here tonight, if the Lord wills, I'm going home and watch the football game uh, because I love uh, uh, professional football. I've told my church on Sunday afternoons, don't call me, not unless it's sickness or death or shortness of breath because... <laughs> Because I watch football. I don't want to be bothered by some nagging individual who want me to come and hold their hands. I don't do that. Um, how did I get off on that one? But, but you know, when Christ, when, when, when the Holy Spirit is paramount in a worship experience, people uh, will, will know that God is present because he is present through the, the, the third person of the God here, which is the Holy Spirit. The second thing we see in this passage of Scripture, there was preaching. There was preaching. Jesus was preaching. And Jesus was telling them what they needed to hear. Now, my friends, I hope I don't offend anyone with what I'm fixing to say. But, you know, the Bible says by the preaching of the word, God chose the foolishness of preaching to win men and women, boys and girls to Christ. He didn't choose music. He chose preaching of the word. Now, music sets the table for the preaching. You can have sorry music. And, and, and it, takes, it takes a good man to come behind them and preach. But if you've got some good music and, and the souls have been stirred, you can go ahead and preach. But he didn't say he chose singing. He chose the foolishness of preaching 
preaching, preaching. I've been in churches where they sung for an hour and wanted the preacher to preach for 20 minutes. Uh, that, to me, uh, that's not right. I, that's not right. Uh, it's by the preaching of the word. We had revival just this past, and I like the way y'all did it. Start early and sing and, 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 and worship the Lord uh, through singing. We had revival a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, when we have revival, we don't do any congregational singing. We have special music. They sing for 15 minutes, get a preacher plenty of time to preach. He says, by the preaching of the word. There was preaching. Jesus was preaching. And people came to hear him preach. And because the, uh, uh, he, they came to hear him preach, a great crowd had gathered. But listen, something else happened here. A man had been sick of a palsy. And his four friends brought him to Jesus. And that's why I've chosen the subject, friends that bring their friend to Christ. When was the last time you shared the gospel with a friend? Amen? When was the last time you led someone to Christ? I challenge our deacons every year to lead at least one person to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, if you 12 deacons will lead one person to Christ, you think about that's 12 more people in the kingdom that year. And it's not, it's not just a preacher's job to witness. It's everybody's job to witness. So we have, have here in this passage that there was a crowd gathered and there was great preaching because the master preacher was preaching Jesus Christ, who was a master at teaching and a master at preaching. And, and what he said, the people didn't like many times because he told them the truth. He told them the truth. These four men decided we're going to get our friend to Christ. Now, I want to, I want to give you a pretty, uh, pretty strange scenario here. Well, it's not strange. It's so typical in the church today, so it's really not strange. Now, if this had been your average Baptist church, when they began to tear the roof off of the place, when they began to tear the roof off the place, the finance committee would have to meet. Then you got the building and grounds meeting to see who's going to fix the place. And then they got a vote on it. And by that time, Jesus is gone. Now think about that. Here were some men that didn't care what the people thought. They were so intent on getting their friend to Jesus. It didn't make any difference who they offended. And they were, they were not out to offend anyone. But they had set in their mind that they were going to get their friend. Do you know who these four men were? These four men had already been healed by Jesus. And they, want, they knew what Jesus would do. All they had to do is get him there. And when they got there, the Bible says they could not come in because of the press. In other words, I'm not talking about NBC, ABC, or Fox News. I'm talking about the crowd. And they began 
to decide, said, we're going to get him to Jesus. And they went up on the roof and they tore the roof off. And they got that man to Jesus Christ. They wouldn't let the crowd stop them. And so many times, my friends, we see in the life of people that the crowd gets in the way. If you'll, if you'll read the gospel, the four gospels, you'll find out it was the crowd that was always in the way. See, it was the crowd when it came down the streets of Jerusalem on a donkey waving palm branches, Hosanna. Just a few days later, it was a crowd hollered, crucify him. So we see there was a great crowd gathered. There was great preaching by the master preacher. And there were four men that were intent on getting their friend to Jesus Christ. These men were helpers. They were out doing something for Jesus. They were helpers, wanting to get this, this man to the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know there are people that may be living in your back door that just, just need someone to help them come to church? There may be someone that you know of that doesn't have transportation or someone physically can't drive themselves to church that just needs somebody to take out a few minutes extra and bring them to church. There may be someone on your job that's looking for someone that will stand in the gap and, and, and say, listen, I'm, I'm going to step outside of myself and invite this individual to church. I'm reminded of a story that Dr. John R. Rawlings, who used to be the pastor at a landmark Baptist temple in Cincinnati, Ohio, Ohio. And uh, he later, when he retired, came to Liberty and Jerry Falwell uh, took care of him. And he was, uh, he, he taught uh, theology there for a year or so. But Dr. John was a, a very different individual. He was a type person that, you know, he, he, he talked like this, and, but he could preach. Man, that guy could literally preach your socks off. And uh, he, he, he's very, he was very bold. And he had a, a group of people that uh, would go out on Sunday nights after church and, and just knock on doors and witness to people. And uh, they went to visit uh, this guy, and he was a professional boxer. And uh, evidently, some, someone had been to his house before, and he had insulted them and told them not to come back. And, but uh, several other people from the church went, and, and they, told, uh, um, they wanted to share the gospel with him. And he was rather obnoxious and said, you know, the next person that comes back here from that church, uh, I'm going to put him in the street. And he could have because he was a man. And so Dr. Rawlins, he said, I'll go see him. So the next Sunday night, Dr. Rawlins went to visit with him. And um, he said, uh, didn't your members tell you what I, I said about the next individual that come back here? 
uh, talking to me about Christ, uh, Jesus, uh, I'm going to put him in the streets. Dr. Rollins said, well, go to hell. And he left. He just left. Well, but a couple of days later, the, the individual calls Dr. Rollins and said, would you come by my house? And he said, I've never had it put to me that way before. But you think about it. You, you, folks, just think about it. Not, that not, that's not the best way to witness. Uh, you know, but Dr. only someone like Dr. Rollins can do that. But he just told him where he was going if he didn't get saved. He said, just go to hell. Sometimes you have to step outside of yourself and step outside of your, uh, your box. You know, sometimes we put God in our own denominational box. You know, I, I'm so glad the older I get, the, the dimmer my denominational glasses become. You know, I was saved at Calvary at nine years old, Southern Baptist. God called me to pass Southern Baptist Church. But, folks, I don't let it. Uh, Southern Baptist nomination don't dictate to me where to preach. I preach in the Pentecostal churches, black churches, Methodist churches, preached in several Methodist churches this year, revival, uh, preached Presbyterian church. Uh, I, you know, denomination is just a name, you know, and, and God has called me to pastor in that. But I, I, I don't get hung up on those things. You know, some people are more proud of the fact they're Baptist than they are Christian. And that's when you've got to twist it. That's exactly when you've got it twisted. I know some pastors that won't preach uh, in other than a Southern Baptist church. I said, how narrow-minded can you get? Amen? How narrow-minded can you get? They stepped outside of themselves, and, and they began to help this man to Jesus Christ because they knew. Now, listen to this very carefully. You'll miss it. They knew that that day was this man's day what he was going to receive they knew that that day was this man's day for what he was going to receive so we have those that are helpers those that that are willing to to go out and not expect this, the pastor's job to go out and reach people and bring other people to the lord jesus christ but then there was the helpless there's the helpers, and there was the helpless. The church, my friend, is a spiritual hospital. It's not a sanctuary for the fat cats. It's a spiritual hospital. And when that spiritual ambulance backs, us to, the, backs to these doors here and drops off a person, it makes no difference what culture they come from, what color their skin is, what social economical background, whatever sin of their own making, you have a responsibility to be that bomb in Gilead to be that bomb, to be that physician, to help that person to know that, that there is hope, that there is hope beyond what they have. That was the helpless. There's a, there's a lot of helpless people out here that's looking for someone to just bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ that's not afraid to step outside themselves and bring that individual to Christ. I was talking to a guy this week, and, and I was really troubled at what he said. 
And we were talking about uh, different races attending churches, and I said, well, you know, you, you know, he knows me real well. He knows my church, and our church is, is, is a mixed church. We have black people. We have Indians. We have, you know, all types of people in the church. And he said, I don't have any problem with blacks coming to church, but I don't go out to listen to him. And I said, well, you're not fulfilling the Great Commission then. Amen. And I hope I didn't make a wrong turn, but I might pull up in, in your street when I get to talking about that. Now, that's a, t- that's a very touchy subject with me. We have a responsibility to reach all people. I, I'll be glad for the day when we get away from white church, black church, Hispanic church, this church, that church, that church, Baptist church, Methodist church, Presbyterian church, all being the body of Christ. The body of Christ, where people can come, makes no difference who they are, and feel welcome. There was the helpless, and he needed some help. And God sent some helpers along to help him. Friends bringing a friend to church. But every time there's helpers, there's always hinderers. Now, I want you to look at what happened here. When Jesus saw the faith of the four men bringing their friends sick of a palsy, he said, Son, thy sin be forgiven thee. And here, look at verse 6. These are the hinderers. Those that say, A preacher, we've never done it this way before. Famous few, few words in the Baptist church. We've never done it this way before. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing all the time and expecting different results. I mean, you, you know, folks, it amazes me how people can, can change everything in their life, but when it comes to church, they don't want to change. They don't want to change. They want church the same way they had it. What, what, what may have worked for granddaddy may not work for this crowd. The me- hey, let me tell you something. The message of the Lord Jesus Christ never changes. But the method of reaching people do. The method. The message never changes. And here was these scribes sitting back in their high seats. These religious folks. And, and, and did you know it was always the religious people that gave Jesus such a fit? It was those religious people in the background. Man, they were educated people, and they had that Ph.D. in the law, and they knew it inside out, and, and, and you're not supposed to heal on this day, and you're not supposed to heal that. You're not supposed to heal that man. He's the wrong color. It was always the religious people. The hinderers. But Jesus saw their heart. Look at what it says. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their heart. They, they, they had gotten in a corner. And they started a whispering campaign. Is anybody listening? They start a whispering campaign. 
They say, why did this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? See, they didn't realize he was God. Amen. He was God. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? Watch it. Whether it is easy to say to the sick of a palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. See, these religious people, they didn't want to see the man healed. They, they didn't rejoice in the fact that Jesus had healed the man. They, they, they were just murmuring because Jesus did things out of order. Uh, he, he, didn't have, he didn't go before the deacons. He didn't get, go before business meeting. He just healed the man. They were the hinderers. And folks, they're all around. And they're in every church. They'll try to hinder the vision of the church and they'll try to hinder the vision that God has given the pastor. Do you know nowhere in the scripture does it say that a church votes on the vision that God has given the pastor? In the book of Habakkuk, he said, name the vision, write the vision, run with the vision, lest some man take the vision. I remember when our church went to two services, and God had spoke to me that we lead our church in two services. And, no, and I had no sooner got it out of my mouth, and they started a little whispering campaign over here. And then those started whispering. And then we had a business, our regular church business meeting, and uh, one of our new deacons stood up and said, you know, if God's given the pastor this vision, we're not going to vote on the vision. And I said, we're going to start two services next Sunday. There are always the hinderers. You know, they want it their way. You know, it's got to be my way or no way. So many times. And, 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 and you know why a lot of people are lost today? Is they have seen how people inside the church act. Hinderers. For God's sakes, don't sit on somebody's pew on Sunday morning. <laughs> My Lord. If you want to start World War III in a Baptist church, sit in the wrong pew. Am I right, Herbert? Am I talking to anybody? <laughs> sit on the wrong pew. My God. And, and I'm going to tell this on my mother and I. Uh, Mom had a, a, a particular place she sat at, and as she was getting older, my brother took her to church one Sunday, and someone was sitting where she sat, and she said, you're sitting in my place. I said, oh, my, and my brother said, Mama. Hinder us. You'll always have those. But you know what I've heard, but this is a word for you. If you plow around the stump long enough, it'll rot off. If you plow around the stump long enough, it'll rot off. 
And don't plow for the sake of plowing. Plow for the sake of planting. There's always the hinderers around. The good God Almighty from Mount Zion. They brought him to the great healer. And his name is Jesus. Did you know Jesus still heals? Do you know he still heals? Do you, do you know he still heals? And he sets free. Some years ago, and I'll tell you how God works. Some years ago, when God taught me a valuable lesson on anointing people, we had an elderly gentleman in our church, very quiet, him and his wife, very good people, but wasn't the type of people that you would have expected what was coming out of their mouth next. And she, her husband was sick, and she said, Jack, I've heard you preach on anointing with oil. Would you anoint my husband? Did you know every one of the deacons but one, and he couldn't go because he was working, went with me to the hospital and anointed that man? I believe what the Bible says about it. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and they anoint him with oil, lay hands on him, and the prayer of faith shall heal them. Now listen. There's, there's, there's a proper criteria for that. The person that is sick, call for the ones to lay hands on them. That man couldn't because he was not conscious, but his wife interceded on his behalf. And you know what? God healed him. God healed him. God healed him through the doctors. God used it. God could, God, if he wanted to, that man could have got up out of that bed right then. But God chose to use medicine, and I believe in medical. He, I believe God uses them. I, I really do. And I believe, I'm a firm believer in anointing with oil and laying hands on people because that is biblical. That's biblical. They brought him to the healer. I, I don't believe in divine healers. I don't believe in divine healers. I believe in divine healing. I don't believe I've got to go through a man, but I, I believe what God says. I don't have to go to Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn can't do nothing for me. Jesus Christ can, though. Jesus Christ can. I believe in what the Scripture says. And they brought him there, and the Bible says the man was healed. Friends... Bringing a friend to Jesus. I'm going to leave you with this question. And I close out this revival service. When was the last time you brought a friend to Jesus? You've been a good congregation. You've listened, been very attentive, and I praise God for you. And thank you again for the opportunity to be here.